Are you ready for the quantum age? Humanity's next step in evolution? Dream Vision 7 Radio Network invites you to the extraordinary platform of evolutionary voices for the quantum age. Let's explore. Learn more about this upcoming age where we bridge science with spirituality. Where potentiality meets reality. Where we take compassion into action. Our trailblazers and visionaries will ask the whys, the what ifs, while igniting continuous possibility. Come along with us into an age beyond what we know today, where we can grow together in unity consciousness. Experience evolutionary voices for the quantum age, Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. Eastern on DreamVision7Radio.com. Welcome to Awakening to True Happiness with modern-day mystic David Hoffmeister, offering you the how-to to spiritual awakening by addressing on a practical level answers to your deepest questions. David Hoffmeister is a world-renowned teacher of A Course in Miracles and has been traveling the world for the past quarter of a century, offering his wisdom to audiences wherever invited. On this show, you'll hear recordings of David's best live talks, inviting you into an experience of deep wisdom and true clarity. To learn more about David, visit his website at davidhoffmeister.com. Awakening to True Happiness with David Hoffmeister is part of Evolutionary Voices for the Quantum Age. Heard Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. Eastern on the Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. Hi, everyone. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> How much fun. I'm back here with Francis in Mexico. What do you know? <laughs> yeah, what a joy. <laughs> yeah. What do you all think of that movie yesterday? Are you still thinking about it? Is it staying with you? <laughs> yeah, I was, I was just telling Francis and the people here, Jean over there in France, in Paris, sent me a beautiful uh, little message today on Messenger saying that she uh, was really impacted uh, with the movie and then she heard this female voice playfully talking in her mind, just singing the word perhaps, which I had mentioned perhaps, uh, to point that we can't really compromise with God, with our experience of God, and then she heard it, then later on she found uh, the Doris Day song. So I thank you for sending that, Jean, and yeah, I listened to that and I was very familiar with that song too. I, I'd heard that one before and just sharing that, that you're seeing that that's been your whole life, that it's been a perhaps relationship with God. <laughs> and the movie yesterday was a kind of a jump start into, okay, I need to go a step beyond perhaps to to yes. So thank you. And thank you all for, for jumping in with us as we go beyond perhaps, beyond maybe, beyond potentially, <laughs> beyond potentially yes, <laughs> into the big yes. And Francis and I were talking today about really this the success in really going deep and experiencing your reality comes from being non-compromising and having a very disciplined mind, which you could see, uh, basically the movie yesterday was pointing in that direction. 
for C.S. Lewis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even when David, when you were giving the commentary about it, really there is only two instants, the unholy instant or the holy instant, and we, we can choose which one we live. It is true, you know, while we were still on earth, this is the only choice we have. And in choosing one, we choose all that's within it. We choose the problem, the, the suffering, the death, in the unholy instant, the problems, problem solving and time, or we choose a holy one where there is none of it. It's only freedom and only blessing. Yeah, so it, it really just comes down to that. And yet that is the tr- choice we have to make. And in that there is no compromise. We, we're constantly choosing one or the other. So we can't really blame the world to do anything to us, anything external to be doing anything to us, because there is a power in our own mind that we can come back to. That, that is the message that, that we want to share. Yeah, it's quite, quite profound if you, if you just stop for a moment and you, you really take that in. Like there's, throughout history, there's been this whole field of philosophy and many amazing philosophies, philosophers for many centuries. And, and yet if you go into the field, which certainly uh, C.S. Lewis was, he was into philosophy, he was studying the work of Freud when it became, came out and became popular. He was into all the great literature, uh, all the great poets. And, and if you look at philosophy, if you just pick up a philosophy book, they will tell you that there are certain themes or issues that are big contested um, struggles in the field of philosophy. One time I picked up a philosophy book and one, one of the chapters I think was called The Problem of Evil. Hmm. Okay. And then I looked at another chapter and it was Free Will versus Determinism. And these are ancient questions that people have been trying to answer for many, many centuries. And here you are and you go into the Gospels, your heart starts to light up. You go into A Course in Miracles, your heart starts to light up because Jesus explains everything. He says, basically, there is no free will in this world. You were given free will in heaven, and your free will is for perfect happiness. <laughs> and, and you can only know your free will when you know that your will and God's will are the same which are both for perfect happiness. Christ's will is for perfect happiness. God's will is for perfect happiness. Humans don't have free will. Uh, and then you start to realize, in terms of the determinism, that the script is written and that you also are told that there is no choice in this realm of, of form, but you'd have one remaining choice in your mind, seeming choice we'll call it, between the right mind and the wrong mind until you realize that the wrong mind is no choice at all. Why, why would you choose the ego? Why would you choose the unholy instant of pain and suffering and death when you have an option 
of forgiveness which takes you back into eternal life. You know, I think a lot of you are nodding going, yeah, that's no choice at all. And yet, Jesus spends the whole book trying to teach you these two options so you can discern between the gateway to heaven versus the gateway to hell. And you see, he's the one that would know because he's gone through the gate. <laughs> so, he's not speculating, he's not theorizing about these things. He's giving this as, he's got good credentials. What are your credentials? Oh, the way, the truth, and the life, and no one come to the Father but through me. Okay, good enough, better than a PhD. <laughs> Wake up from the dream, you got my attention. But you start to realize that, that, wow, then that means that I'm here just to choose the holy instant. The purpose of every single aspect of time and space and what seems to be a, a, a separate identity is simply to go deeper in your mind and choose to yield to the holy instant by, by desiring it, Jesus says, not by planning for it as if it's in the future, but but by desiring it. And so every day if you wake up and you say, here I am Lord, take me, show me the holy instant. That's the only focus, the only point my life has is to choose the holy instant instead of keep repeatedly choosing the unholy instant which generates the illusion of history. So. All of history is just choosing the wrong mind instead of choosing the correction. So it's good for us that we actually are, are getting it from Jesus. He's like giving it to us straight, like here's straight talk. You want to be happy? Yeah, God's will for you is perfect happiness and here I'm going to direct you very specifically while you believe in specifics because it has to, has to be practical. And what really stood out yesterday, that yesterday was the second time I watched that movie, what really stood out was when um, he said, he was arguing with his friends, but, but in one of the scenes, basically he said, you know, this, this is either out of the utmost importance or is not important at all. Jesus Christ, his teachings, but it's not of mediocre importance, you know, and then when I was listening to that, I was reminded of this workbook lesson, there is nothing that my holiness cannot do, and the first sentence in that workbook lesson is that my holiness revert all the laws in this world, all of them, absolutely everything. So basically, I was thinking, you know, this is so plain and clear. It, this is what we're talking about, what we're choosing in every moment of every day, choosing Christ versus the things of the world, the life that we want to maintain, the survival of the body, or any end goal of the body. Either the Christ is of the utmost importance that going to trump absolutely everything that we can ever think of in this world, material sense, or it's not at all. 
you know, there is no midi intermediary um, way here to say, let's just have a life, spiritual life and material life balance here. Let's do a little bit of that and a little bit of this. Let's study the Course, study the, 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 the saying of Jesus Christ in the morning and at night, but go to your, the rest of the, your life. I actually make it so clear, no, it's either or. It truly is either or. And this question is posed by Jesus in our mind to say, which one do you choose? Which one do you choose? You know, and the moment you choose one, you, you denounce the other, completely denounce the other. But this is really what time is for. Every moment is this question posed to us, which one do you choose? Choose with all your heart and all your mind. Time is, the, time is just a neutral thing that the Holy Spirit can use to, to end all hesitation in the mind, to end all doubt, to end all confusion. If you are feeling a feeling of um, disorientation or confusion or ambiguity, um, maybe you notice you have a feeling of anxiety and what Jesus is saying is the anxiety that you seem to experience as a human being is because of the denying your real self, denying your Christ self. So it's, it's actually hard to play little. It's hard to identify with the puppet. It's hard to stay addicted to the body and the things of the body. Uh, we, we had two of our our friends Wesley and Angie uh, wrote in today uh, because the, they were really looking at a passage, uh, I guess it was Romans 8, and Francis said, I was just reading Romans 8 yesterday. <laughs> <Was it> yesterday? <laughs> and, uh, and then Angie and Wesley come in with their question about Romans 8, and, and so Francis and I, when we were just sitting at the, the kitchen table today, we had a nice talk. We both kind of looked through Romans 8 like you both did, and uh, we both had smiles on our face. We said, yeah, that's a juicy one. Uh, that, that gets into non-compromise. That really starts to clear away the haziness and the, the doubts and the cobwebs. You know, just brush those cobwebs away and let's get right to the core message. So do you want to yeah. read a little bit there? Well, Angie and, and Wesley basically was saying that I feel guided to watch a show um, on Netflix called Manifest. At the beginning of the show, they refer to Romans 8, 28. And we know that's the quote. And we know that in all things, God works for the good for those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. And then 828 is the flight number. After the show, we read the verse from the Bible. We read all of Romans 8, Life Through the Spirit. It feels to me somehow new, fresh. Some of it was clear and we were able to reinterpret it, but some of it is still not clear. We both feel to ask if you feel to share anything about it during the retreat. Well, Romans 8, Life Through the Spirit, to me is is actually a very clear chapter and message to, 
to basically put side by side the spirit life and flesh, life of the flesh. It's, it put their side by side and said, if you walk the life of flesh, you taste death. If you walk the life of the spirit, you taste peace and freedom. And that's the, the author of Roman even said, I'm freed from sin and death by the law of the spirit. So it, it, that is just exactly what we were talking about, what David was talking about yesterday, these two instant that they don't inter, interfere with each other. They, they're completely annihilate the other, one annihilate the other. And that's what actually Roman 8 is about, basically saying here, because the, the Spirit lives in you, you don't have any obligation. <laughs> I actually use the word, you have no obligation to live the life of the flesh. You don't have to respond to it. Live the life of the Spirit, and that's who you are. And then in the end of the chapter, it was so beautiful, basically saying there's nothing in heaven, in earth, in angels and demons, there's absolutely nothing that can separate us from God's love. That's how the chapter ends. But I thought it was just perfect. You guys bring up this chapter, and I was reading it yesterday, and the movie yesterday was actually really about that. It was all of our message. It was all of our life. It's basically in choosing putting aside this life of the materialism, life of the flesh, and get reborn. Like Manuel yesterday said, I want to be reborn now. Can I just say yes now? Yeah, yeah. Because that letter from Paul in Romans, you know, is, is kind of expounding on what Jesus taught in the Bible. His, his words were, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. And then it comes in with, I now am born again, which is the choice. That's basically the choice for the holy instant. I now am born again. And some Christians call this like a, a conversion experience. Sometimes Christians will say, do you remember the moment when you were saved? And, and it's a glimpse. The salvation goes so much deeper than professing Jesus Christ as Lord and Word. You have to actually purge every aspect of ego or the devil. Every spot of Satan has to be seen for its nothingness in order to be saved in the terms of, we'll call it salvation. So it's not just professing a few words. But it is for Christians devoting your life to, to walk with the Spirit in everything. So isn't that beautiful? Mm. What a beautiful uh, decision when you have a, an epiphany, we'll call it, or you have a huge glimpse of the glory of God's love and you say, oh, I'm going to follow you. Now, once you say yes to that, you're really saying yes to, to follow the Holy Spirit, to follow Jesus's instructions. And we could see that in the movie that um, that basically we were seeing it displayed in many different ways. And we, would, we were seeing it displayed where joy was described as this um, kind of scent of a flower that you can never forget. And 
in order to have a, a, a scent like that, you must have a, a sniff of it, a taste of it. And, and you could see that C.S. Lewis had that uh, glimpse of that joy. And then he said, alas, that, that is not uh, in our path. Our path is filled with pleasures. So here he goes. He's starting to talk about how in this world, the ego will throw up many things that are not joy, that are artificial joy, that are substitute joy. And I think everyone can agree that, that pleasures, whether they seem to be physical or psychological, they're very fleeting. Uh, when you have a good meal, you can say, wow, it was a very enjoyable, pleasurable meal, and then you get hungry again, or you you want another experience of something. Um, I had one helping, let me have two helpings. I have two helpings, maybe I should have three helpings. You see, this is the problem of the world. It's throwing all kinds of superficial options and superficial uh, temptations, um, superficial things that, that you're conditioned by the ego to believe are your right. <laughs> Even in the Constitution of the United States, it says you have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Maybe I should give Jesus's translation of the Constitution. You have the right to eternal life. <laughs> you have the right to liberty or freedom of mind and you have the right to experience the happiness, not to forever pursue it. <laughs> so that's Jesus's momentary retranslation of the Constitution of the United States. But the key thing is, like Francis is saying, is if you just think that the choices of the world are all that you have, and you don't recognize the choice for joy, then you simply pursue, like a cat chasing its tail in circles, you pursue these artificial pseudo-pleasures, uh, which are, they really aren't pleasureful at all. Even in the Bible and the Course, it says all real pleasure comes from doing God's will. You see, Jesus doesn't ever skip over anything. He's just telling you, if you're going to go for God, you really have to go all the way into the joy. There is no such thing as partial joy. And then at one point in the Course, he basically is saying that your mind is so confused by this ego and this belief in separation that you cannot tell the difference between pain and joy. Stop for a minute. Stop for a minute and think. You may think, well, wait a minute, Jesus doesn't know what he's talking about. I can tell the difference between pain and joy. And Jesus says, no, if you could tell the difference, you would never choose pain. If you could tell the difference between pain and joy, you would never choose pain. It's a, it's a trick. You believe something that's not true. You think you can discern between pain and joy, but your mind is so confused 
that you can't tell the difference between pain and joy. Now that is, that opens a whole deep inquiry into, you can see that C.S. Lewis was doing that, you know, he, he was in pursuit of that elusive joy. He was in pursuit of that joy that had no earthly reason. It was just the, the inner joy of, of being a child of God, really, is, is what it was. And he was witty, and he was bright, and he, wow, didn't he share all of his private thoughts with us during the whole movie? <laughs> Calling a priest in the church like, like bears and... and I mean, talk about calling a spade a spade, and then talking about religion, saying, oh, and the organizing, you know. He put out all of the thoughts that all of us have had. <laughs> he, he spilled the beans on all of our thoughts around Christianity. <laughs> all of our thoughts around church and churchgoers. He threw it all out for us, but he did so in a very light way basically saying he had to look at his own judgments, his own opinions, his own pride, which was keeping him from a direct experience of the Lord. So for him, the Lord was guiding him, leading him, and instructing him. And we're all happy to realize it's all about the holy instant now. It's not, it's just one instant in time that we're after. We're after the gateway to heaven, the gateway to eternity, which is the holy instant. Now, that makes for a very lively session today. Thank you, Wesley and Angie. Boy, that really opens up uh, a can of worms, because if my only pursuit is to be the holy instant, then how do I practically translate that in what seems to be linear time? Uh, we call it your, your function or your vocation of healing the mind. We call it mind training. We call it devotion to purpose. Uh, I guess any of those, Wesley and Angie would, could, could agree, any of those things, devotion to purpose and so forth. And what Jesus is saying is if you give your whole heart over to this, Jesus is saying, I will handle everything that doesn't matter if you will devote your mind to learning of this purpose, to answering the calling of your heart. And we have so much conditioning that says, what? I've got too many practical things in time and space, too many obligations, too many duties, too many responsibilities, too many things weighing me down every, year, every day. I see Manuel's there with us. You're right with us in prayer. You know what this is about. And you know the ego is going to come right at you with that, like, oh, come on, don't, don't be like a pie-in-the-sky uh, Christian. Uh, you know, you know you've, you've got to deal with these things. And, and Jesus is literally saying, come and bring your burdens to me. Lay your burdens, the, what you perceive as your burdens, lay them on me and, and, and let your being soar. Let your, let your mind soar to the vastness that, that it is as a divine mind. And 
And that's like right on the edge of what we call divine providence because Sabine was bringing that up, Tanya was bringing that up. You know, this is something we've talked about a lot. And I know I've been talking about this ever since I went through the experience of it. You know, 30 some years ago, now Jesus has been talking about this topic through me because to me, all these things go together. Our, our purpose, the divine providence, and also the, the handing over of our responsibilities, duties, obligations, concepts. Yeah. Bringing the darkness to the light and saying, Jesus, I have no idea how this is going to work. You're going to have to extract me from time and space. I'm going to have to be extracted. And and Jesus loves that when you do that. Jesus has been waiting for that. When you say, extract me from the matrix and show me who I really am, Jesus is like, great! <laughs> I've been waiting for that invitation all the time, you know, this is it. But that's where the, it gets very uncompromising. That's, that's why, you know, like David was saying this morning, um, when someone years ago asked, Peace Pilgrim, what's a mystic? And she said, mystic is someone who just stir, stir, stirs people out of their apathy. Stirs people out of their apathy. And, and why is that so stirring? Because, because it, it can be very stir, disturbing to the ego to think that Jesus, Holy Spirit, God, is the only providence, is the only abundance there is. There is no abundance, there's no anything that's providing us in this world. It's, you know, because I remember when I first came to the community, David says, we're sustained by guidance, not donations, not the, any fees, any money. You know, we, we fly, we go to places, we have a community and every single thing is sustained, is sustained by guidance. And that, I never heard anything like that before because while well, this world will tell you you are sustained by money, by work, by the, the, the abundance is outside of you. And here we're living in a place to say the abundance is inside of you. Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the guidance, the prayer and being guided is sustaining absolutely everything absolutely everything and we are to put that to test you know where to live in that way to be convinced that this is absolutely true there is nothing outside of us that's that can give us anything and yet our life with christ is the only thing that offers absolutely everything so that's really where i i you know when we hear tanya talk you know, even though the bank account is stripped of any access, and yet everything still works out together for good. Every guidance comes in, everything is provided for. That is the exact experience where our vision is transferred into seeing, wow, the providence is not of this world. The abundance is not of this world. Yeah. Yeah, it takes, it takes a lot of um, prayer and listening and following to start to be very uncompromising to just be able to say what you, your 
supposed to say, that the Spirit put the words in your mouth and to use all of your interactions for really an answer to prayer. You're just basically giving over everything, including your everyday conversations and interactions. And then with, like Francis and I had the honor really of, of traveling to so many countries and meeting so many people, we couldn't say that we were in our comfort zone because actually being up 32,000 feet above the ground is not a great comfort zone. Uh, going through searches and security and constant boarding gates and constant interactions, but all of that was part of us listening and following and, and just being grateful to be able to share what the Spirit wanted us to share. Jesus just going before us and everything. But I do remember many, many cases where I was just smiling because I could feel it was the Spirit going before us. There was one time I think we were, I think we were going to China or we were in, in China and maybe it was in the United States, but we had these long flights when you go to China, Australia, they're 10, 12 hours and, and more. Some of their very long flights. And I remember we were at, a re at an airport at the check-in and we waited, waited to get up there and we got up there. Um, I had just said to Francis, well, I've, uh, this body's about 6'2 six, six and I have very long legs and if you're going to be in a plane for 10, 12, 12 hours, that's, uh, Nicholas is nodding, he knows how it is to fly a, a flight like that or even less than that with, when you have very long legs. And so I mentioned it, we went up and, and uh, I said something to, the, uh, to the, the airline person who was checking this in and, and she says, well, I don't, I don't know, is the flight, the seats are very, very limited and everything and so, and then Francis, little Francis looks at the woman with these Mary Baker Eddy eyes which you wouldn't cross in a million years, and Francis is like, check again. He needs space for his legs. And the woman goes, in the computer, oh yeah, we have, we actually have, we have seats, <laughs> exit row seats. We weren't asking for first class, we have exit row seats. But the world just glosses over, I'm oh, sorry, yeah, we don't, we get a lot of requests and we, we don't have a lot of seats, check again. And oh, yes we do, well how lovely. And, but the thing is, imagine doing that with your mother or your father. Imagine doing that with your relatives where the Spirit of God is in you and you don't compromise in your conversations. You basically let the Spirit put the words in your mouth, let the Spirit orchestrate the encounter for the release of your mind from all of time and space. You see how important it is. It's, everything is either extremely important, which is why the, we have the red letters in the Gospels, because those red letters are extremely important because they offer a release from hell which is linear time and space. 
And then you start to realize there are no small things, that you are worthy of freedom, you are worthy of happiness, you are worthy of peace, and all you have to do is surrender over the control of thinking you're a separate human being, and even letting Jesus direct your thoughts, and direct your actions, and direct your words. That's all it takes, is you just have to just pray the prayer and surrender over thinking you're an autonomous person and you have to figure out how to get out of the trap. That's a mess. If you think you're personally going to extract yourself from the glue of linear time, <laughs> it's like a fly stuck in the flypaper. There's no way those wings and those little legs, tiny, tiny legs get loose. But if you really say, go before me, Spirit, I will trust you with everything, and I will trust you with all aspects of what I believe my life to be in this world. I'll trust you with my finances, I'll trust you with my relationships, I'll trust you whether I'm supposed to be stationary or travel, I'll trust whether I'm supposed to be active or seem to be more inactive. It's like you, you're giving up all preferences for what you believe, based on your past learning, should be the way that it goes, and you're just kind of saying, well, my past learning has not released me from time and space, so I'm, I'm willing to try God instead. <laughs> I'm willing to, to try God. If God created me, perhaps God knows what the escape hatch is from from what God did not create, which is time and space. So the Holy Spirit and Jesus, you know, it's, it's really important. There was a woman today who wrote to me on, in Facebook, and she was posting, and I could see she was sending a message. She was very sincere. She said, um, why is it that there's so many religions, and why is it that there's so many gods? I thought that God was one, and I'm confused. And I wrote back and I said, yeah, there is just one God, and there really uh, are not multiple religions, because if you're associating religion with theologies, then you could make a case for many. But I said, religion is to be connected to God. Religion is to have inner peace. Religion is is an experience of inner peace, and that's why it's not complex. There's just one inner peace, and you don't have to get into the analysis and the complexities of which religion, or comparing theologies, or comparing philosophies, and comparing psychologies. Comparison blocks you from the simple awareness of, of the present moment. But I thought that was so beautiful, she just really made a point, like, like please, and she did write, answer my question, <laughs> and so I, immediately I got up this morning, I said, okay, I will answer your question. She, I like that, don't you like it when somebody's forthright? That's like Kirkpatrick yesterday, the tutor. Prove it. <laughs> this woman writes to me today, first time she's written to me, answer my question, you know. I don't want some chatbot to give me the answer. So I did. I, I took the time to answer her. 
So that's what we're talking about. That's, that's what we mean by be uncompromising. You have to, re you have to realize you have to go for the whole and, and as far as these individual little ego concerns, they start to seem very uh, tiny, very petty. Yeah. And we also have a beautiful testimony. Yeah, in. we want to read. Nana wrote in a beautiful testimony. <laughs> it was so beautiful, it was very long and beautiful. And then Frances, uh, I think she went through it it was just being all lit up by the highlights of it, so she's got some, some of it underlined there. Yeah, I, w I would just read the, maybe about half of it, just with my highlight. It's very beautiful. Um, Nana says, I have a prayer that's strongly on my heart at this moment with some thoughts and observation I want to share, strengthen in my heart and give over to Jesus. When I was a child, I wanted to talk to God, and I was praying, asking Him to reveal Himself to me. It felt like it wasn't answered at the time. Then I grew up. I would just wonder, if God wanted me to focus on Him, why would He create the world where putting Him first felt impossible because of all the responsibilities? I would ask if Jesus resurrected, why, couldn't he help, why wouldn't He help us more actively, more practically? I would just look outside at the street lights and I would think that I want to be the light for others. One day I was outside waiting for a bus and the wind was blowing and at one moment it felt like the wind brought me a message in my mind. Your life will be different from others. It felt impossible and didn't make any sense and it feels unbelievable that years later Jesus showed up in my life and answered my every question. He even has that lesson in the Course, I am the light of the world. And the other day I was feeling this deep love for and of God in my heart. It was beyond any connection I, I experienced before. And then I remembered that prayer from my childhood and I realized God answered me in this moment of love he arrived, he showed up, and he continues to show up and reveal himself to me. My whole life is his answer to my prayer and my request. It feels like a fairy tale that I don't want to end. My prayer is to be shown that I can rely on God completely and, and fully, and I'm sustained by him, and he's got me that I need nothing else, even in practical terms, because I want to live the life of trust. That's amazing. It's amazing, because that has the quality, the way your life has shown itself as the answer to the prayer. It does have a very fairy tale quality to it, because when we read the fairy tales, we are often transported by the experiences that, and the emotions that, that are allowed to come up in the fairy tale. And when I started just really listening and following and, and saying, what do you want from me, Jesus? Anything, anything at all. I give it all to you to use for the blessings for everyone then I started to have 
so many miracles in, per day on a daily basis that the, that was my first reaction to the state of mind and the experiences was I, I just smiled and I thought, this is like a fairy tale. That's the only thing I, I had a reference for. Like when I was watching a Disney fairy tale, I was transported by Walt Disney and the colors and the, the music and the, the expansive emotions and feelings. I thought, that's why children love fairy tales. And Walt Disney was quite good at turning them into movies uh, that we all love. And then the more I started just traveling and showing up, jumping out of my comfort zone, uh, where I thought I had to be, what I thought I had to be doing, and, and, and all the, the weight of, of really just concepts of obligations and duties, when I started just saying, okay, I'll serve, use me, then it's like a whole new world opened up and every day started to feel like a fairy tale. And then when I would try to share my experiences, I would really have to let Jesus even share about the experiences because uh, he knew who could receive them and who couldn't. Uh, and sometimes even people would overhear me talking about some of the experiences and they would go, that doesn't sound like a real life, that sounds like, like a fairy tale. And I'd say, exactly, that's how, that's how I feel too. It feels like a fairy tale. But then it went on for months, and then it went on for years, and finally at some point after some years, I probably, I just thought, I guess this is now my life. <laughs> I, guess, I guess I have to, I've clicked into fairy tale mode, and I don't think it's going back. <laughs> because there was no sign that it was going in the other direction. Even though people would sometimes say, well, one day you're just going to have to stop, get a regular job, get a mortgage, <laughs> and, and, you know, and be normal. I was feeling like, I don't know, it's the fairy tale's been going on now for years and it doesn't seem, it's just getting more expansive. It's, it's getting more like happy fairy tales. It's just turning into successive happy fairy tales. So I, I love that you're, you have that frame of mind that you just shared, that Francis just read, because, because that's exactly how it seems to go, where at the beginning you can't, you can't fathom it, you can't conceptually even fathom how it could happen, but, but you do find yourself increasingly inspired, increasingly feeling lighter, uh, increasingly feel not in control of anything, and yet completely taken care of and cared for, and then I think you also find yourself so open to be truly helpful. Uh, I did a, a video call several days ago with someone who wants to come from um, Peru to uh, up to Mexico, and she just wrote a little message saying, I, I, have, I have so many fears that have come up. I would, would you mind if I had a call with you and I just want to expose these fears. So we had a pretty long call and, and it was just me listening and, and 
sharing support and encouraging and, and her just kind of letting the fears come up and then letting them go. Uh, because the passion in her heart is like your passion, Nana. Just, it's just for God. It's just for God. For God and, and God alone. And, and, and I could feel that with her. I could feel as we got deeper into the call that that's... So I was just like, yeah, if you make it this far, just and somehow you get stopped, uh, just call me up and we'll, we'll pray at that moment and we'll work it out. We'll just, we'll just put our total reliance on the prayer. We, we won't put reliance on plans, future plans. We won't put reliance on, on trying to secure the body in some kind of way that we tell ourselves will be free, because we can't, it's not about freeing the body, it's about freeing our mind, our perception of the world. So I just found, that was like a testimony, that's like heartwarming for anyone who's ever had any question of how is this all going to work out, and then you almost come to this sense of delightfulness, like, well, my whole life has, I've been answered all along. <laughs> And I'm still being answered by, by what I experience. I know. What, is, what a relief. I mean, this is truly a change of perception. That's, that's where the answer is, you know, like from my life needs to be fixed, and where are you, God, to all of a sudden this perception change, everything is God communicating with me. And that's where the, the security, the light, the love lies. And then you are the light of the world. And I, I feel, I just feel it so much. I feel like, yeah, let our life be our yes to God, but it's not one way. Let that be His yes to us. You know, it, it's, it's this continuing yes to each other. And while we give our devotion, we receive His, His answer to our prayer, and then we shine this this assurance, this certainty, and this, this uh, joy that we receive. So thank you, Nana. Yeah, thank you. From all of us, thank you. Yeah, yeah something inside of us knows that, that all we are yearning for is to be happy, to feel loved, to feel joined, connected, to feel joyful. And just like uh, when you watch a movie, you know, sometimes what really makes the movie are not the images, but it's the soundtrack. You leave the theater and you've got these beautiful songs, like the one Linda was singing from Enya. You, you go to a movie and my gosh, there's four Enya songs in it, and then you walk out of the theater, you're like, you're barely, your shoes aren't even hardly touching the ground, and, and all the way to the parking lot, the drive home, you've got these Enya songs washing over your mind. Well, imagine that if you just get into your purpose so much that, that there's an inner soundtrack that is playing as you're watching what seems to be the story of your life, and it's this majestic kind of soundtrack. You know, that's why I like music. Uh, that's why I, I'm really worshiping a lot of music, because 
the more I got into music, the more I started discovering all this music going way back. You know, I would be watching a movie and I would go, wow, that is a spectacular song. And somebody would say, yeah, that's Gershwin. I'd say, wow, I like Gershwin. What, <laughs> what year was that? It's like way before you were born, David, Gershwin was going, grab your coat and get your hat. Leave your worries on the doorstep. Life can be so peace on the sunny side of the street. I mean, I was just like, the sunny side of the street, can't you hear the pitter-pat? And that happy tune is your step. Oh my gosh, Gershwin. I never met Gershwin, but I feel Gershwin. <laughs> I feel he just came over me right there. You see, the, the soundtrack to your life can be a happy tune. That's a happy song. You know, go to the sunny side of the street. You, you see he's, the, he's teaching spirituality <laughs> in that song. You know, just direct your feet to the sunny side of the street. Just direct your mind to the holy instant. You see, it's, it's the song is saying what we're teaching. That your attitude is your choice. And, and uh, even the president of the United States that freed the slaves, Abraham Lincoln, said, you know, a man is as happy as he makes his mind up to be. And there's so many quotes throughout history that basically say that how you choose to be, how you choose to carry yourself, how you choose to feel, is your choice. I mean, even when I would read, you know, books from Nazi Germany and, and how that you could still, in the middle of a prison, you can still choose to be happy, like our, our friend from Ukraine was saying yesterday. Uh, we could always, Jesus says, I am responsible for what I see. I choose the feelings that I experience and I decide upon the goal that I would achieve. And everything that seems to happen to me, I ask for and receive as I have asked. That has to be the Lord of life speaking to us. Those words don't come from a human being. Those words are from eternal life. And they're coming through and they're landing in consciousness so we can actually embrace them. They're not there just to be words. They're just, it's a, it's a, it's a feeling, it's a direction, it's a decision that we're being called to make and, and I just realized, wow, that's, that's what everybody wants, to be happy and loved. You know, there's no other, there's no other purpose than to be happy and loved. Uh, well, we just want to thank you again. Wow, the mystical heart of Christ. What a healing. What a wonderful time we have shared. What healing joy has burst through with us. And thank you for hanging in there. Thank you for persisting, keeping the faith. 
And we are with you all the way. We're just, just walking with you, praying with you, following you, and uh, encouraging you. I see too, we had our friends, uh, was it Lauren and Sam over there? Uh, we, I think you were talking about maybe coming uh, to a mystery school next March, but maybe you should come earlier. We will, maybe we have to make, make room for you to come over for a devotional stay. If you've been traveling around, you know, it's like, why not immerse? <laughs> so, that's beautiful. But thank you. Thank you all for sharing your hearts and, and being so transparent, because I know that's a good witness for everyone. It's a great, great example. So, well, another wonderful time. Yeah, I love you guys so much. <laughs>